Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Austin. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. good. There's one thing I have to get out of the way before we start. Oh, my Let's God. Talking about... I'm afraid. Each other. You gave me this super, like, long, very sweet introduction. Oh, no. Don't. I just kind of forgot to introduce you. That's okay. <laughs> I don't need an introduction. I'm chill. <laughs> okay, well, I have to now. Everybody no, just... don't do it. Oh, no. <laughs> my very best friend. She's a Master's of Library Studies student, right? That's your program, right? I got it right. Science, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> There's a science to it, apparently. <laughs> Library scientist, amazing reader, amazing friend. Oh, thanks, Austin. <laughs> Stop, you're going to make me tear up. <laughs> this is why I can't be trusted in introductions. I, I'm going to just start getting too sentimental. The rule, if I can get you to cry in the first five minutes of the podcast, that's the whole episode. <laughs> That's not hard to do. I feel like there has been several times that like this friendship has made me cry in the best way, never in a bad way. Just to be clear, I remember the one time at our graduation, I sneezed. Oh, in our tradition for our four years of our bachelor's, every time I sneeze, you would say "bless you." Yeah. <laughs> I sneezed during the ceremony, and Sophia goes, "Oh, that's that's the last time I'll be saying bless you, you at Laurier." <laughs> It was just like it was one of like our our bonding moments. I feel like every like friendship or like like buddy duo superhero duo like as your sidekick like I was the bless you person and you know I hope to say bless you for many years to come and now I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it <laughs> oh no okay okay change the subject what have you been reading this week what have I been reading this week Austin this week I have been listening to um an audiobook from the home edit which is uh, a professional organization company. Like they're a duo, but they have their own team. And I don't know if people like, yes. yeah, yeah, it does. We are an organized duo. <laughs> Never mind the fact I make you reschedule every week. That's still organized. <laughs> um, yeah, they have their own Instagram. They're, they're, an organizing company, and I'm really into stuff like that. So it's been a really good audiobook. And if people, um, use Netflix. They also have a special on there, so it can give you a glimpse. And yeah. how would an organizing audiobook work? Because that sounds like you need like the official book to. So get they experience. Yeah, they they actually have like um, an accompaniment, which like a few books that I uh, listen to have that. So they'll have like charts or visuals that you can search up that are attached to the book, so you can download that as a separate thing. And then also like it's really handy with them because they have the Instagram, so because I follow them, I know some of the techniques they're talking about. So I can be like, oh, I've encountered this. I know what they're talking about. Or um, they also like just reference what pages on the website you can go to check it. So it's super okay. easy. Yeah, it's nice. You would hate my apartment because it's the most disorganized place ever. No, it's not. I've, <laughs> I've seen your apartment before. It's great. <laughs> it's perfect. We're going to soon be in the process of moving. So I got to start packing up everything we have here and that's going to be a pain I am like so excited and sad like I honestly like honestly like no one has ever been like as Marshall to my Ted and like as Lily to my Ted as you and Kate have and like when you move like I'm gonna be like as, as Ted to your Marshall <laughs> you know what after these tears maybe I am more Marshall than Ted I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to say I mean, I guess you are right because I'm taller, so it makes sense that I am Marshall. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess I will take that. 
Yeah. We'll have to put it to a put it to a vote in the Instagram. Just like who's more dead? We will. <clears throat> we'll have to do like a little intro and people can decide, like on a game show. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Austin? What are you reading? So I've started reading a bunch of books this week, which is probably a bad idea because I'm probably not gonna finish half of them, but I got an audiobook of the song the book's called The Song of Achilles by Madeline oh. Miller. Yes, I, I saw that you posted that on our Instagram at Bright Young Things Pod. Um, and it was so cool and exciting because everyone I know talks about this book and I've just never okay, gotten it. Seems, seems really popular in the historical yeah. fiction community. Yeah. So for those who don't know, it's a retelling of the Trojan War. And it's the, the story of the main character of the, of the Homer's Iliad, Achilles, and his friend in quotation marks patroclus yeah they weren't really friends everybody knows that <laughs> <laughs> yep <clears throat> so it's kind of a coming of age story historical fiction so far i'm about a third of the way through mm-hmm. that's awesome are you liking it I, so far yeah it's good so far the author the, the narrator is really does a good job that's nice. always key for your books yeah so i've also been reading i forgot if i talked about this last time i'm in the last book of my roman history yeah is the yeah. historical fiction series the last one's called Antony and Cleopatra. So like the cool. Shakespeare play. That one's really good so far. I also finished. So I was talking about how Kate and I have been trying to watch all the Marvel movies. Yes. I was like, that's cool. Maybe I should try and get to the Marvel comics. Oh. So I read Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Okay. Which was good. Mm-hmm. But I've never, that's the first Marvel comic I've ever read because I'm okay. not much of a huge comic reader. Right. So I was kind of lost because there's been 80 years of comics that I haven't read. So <laughs> I don't think that'll be a, a long endeavor for me. It's good that you try, though. I mean, like, I have been on the outskirts of the comic fandom for a while. My dad was super into Marvel, like, when I was growing up. So we watched, like, all the classic cartoons and stuff together. Yeah, he likes Greek mythology. He likes Marvel. He likes yeah. machetes. We uh, yeah, about- so, many, <laughs> so many things. My, my dad is a very... Um, eclectic hobbyist you could say and yeah so he really inspired me a lot in like terms of that which was really cool because he was really like encouraging of kind of like just devouring different kinds of media um so he would always take me to like comic book stores like uptown waterloo like carry on comics uh, Uh that's cool which is my favorite spot to get the orphan black comic books which are amazing 10 out of 10 recommend so yeah i admire have an episode on comics and we have man- to. manga or manga i think the correct way to say it is manga but i can't say it okay. <laughs> i don't know graphic novels and any other like visual writing so stay tuned for that a couple weeks or months down the line <laughs> we haven't decided yeah. yet. <laughs> i mean i i feel like i have so many friends who are really into that who are much more well-versed in that area of the world so it'd be nice to talk to someone who is a professional fan and the last thing I've been reading, I've been still trying to plow my way through Pride and Prejudice. Same. <laughs> I forgot to say that earlier. What part are you at? So I started again from the beginning. I was just talking about last week because like the audiobook is just too confusing. Yeah. So I think I'm just I'm going real slow through it. I'm just at the part where Jane is just getting over being sick at the Bingleys. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yep, the Bingleys. That is the correct scientific term. <laughs> <laughs> I, so found a little, I found a little schedule for myself. I read Pride and Prejudice on my Kindle on the bus to and from work. Whoa. I listen to 
Antony and Cleopatra on my lunch, or I read Antony and Cleopatra on my lunch at work, and then I listen to the audiobook when I'm working, which I shouldn't be doing. But I am in awe, and I am so so proud. I I can only aspire to this level of greatness. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm glad I'm working is because that's the only time I ever read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I support it. <laughs> awesome. I'm also not looking forward to winter ending, kind of, because I wear my hat at work so I can hide my wireless earbuds. Luckily, I mean, you and I, I don't know if people know this, if you're just listening, but you and I have the curls to hide anything we want um, in our ear areas, (laughs) I feel. The problem is I have three pairs of black wireless headphones, but they came free with bottles of Bacardi. (laughs) Oh my god! Only last about two hours on each of them. And those ones are black, so those are perfect to hide in my hair. Yeah. And I have ones that last like six hours, but they're bright blue, and they stand <laughs> out in my hair. Okay, what is the craziest thing you've ever hidden in your hair? There was one time I woke up, and I went through my day, and then a guitar pick fell out of my hair <laughs> a couple hours later. I woke up with, like, a knitting needle, like, lodged into my hair, <laughs> and I was like, if I had turned over... Right? If I had turned over the wrong way in the middle of the night, like, things could have been bad. But I just woke up and it was, like, hanging there when I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll take it. When I was off, this is an entirely different thing, but I was off on off from work for a couple months. Yeah. My sister made an Instagram page of just sticking things in my beard. <laughs> oh, my God. Please drop the plug so people can follow it. I love this account. <laughs> That one is at Tins Beards on Instagram. Beautiful. That's beard Like she put Christmas lights in my beard and (laughs) leaves and stuff. That's amazing. Like Cheetos or something. (laughs) Oh my God. I thought I could do with too much. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay, so this week we are two true blue Canadians. Kind of. Because we're... (laughs) Talking about Canadian content in literature. Yes. But as we were talking before, neither of us really read a lot of Canadian content. Yeah. Which is it's, a problem. Yeah. It's it's shameful. And like, the funny thing is, I was thinking about this because I am very passionate about, like, my friends will tell you that, like, one of my favorite genres, quote unquote, of TV is Canadian TV, no matter what genre that falls under, because... There's something about it that is so, like, they can't get away from the wholesomeness. Like, even if it's a crime show, like, it's just that little bit. Stories, your corner guess. Yes. <laughs> and, like, I mean, Shit's Creek, like, that, all that stuff. And, like, um, Orphan Black it was filmed in Canada. I'm pretty sure it has strong Canadian ties as well. But, like, there's something about it. And I'm really passionate about that. And, like, just because I worked at my campus radio station, we would get, like, specifically, like, a large amount of Canadian artists coming through. So I was really lucky that I got exposed to all of that. And then to top it all off, you and I are like grads of communication studies and film studies. And because we went to a Canadian institution, there was a lot of opportunity for us to understand why our media market is the way it is and kind of get exposed to things that like, I don't know about you, but I might not have seeked seeked out myself. So, (laughs) oh my God. Well, you know what I mean. Thought. Oh my God. Wow. That program did a really good job with me. Clearly, I am an eloquent speaker. Once um, again, we are recording on a weeknight after both working all day. Once again, because of me, because I was really busy this weekend with my with my 
Hey, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry about that. Paw Patrol was calling, and apparently I had no can't choice. Say no to, uh, can't say no to Jake, I think the dog's name is. Chase? Chase? Chase. I yeah. can name all of them right here, right now. Don't even. Do it. Go for it. <laughs> Just people tune in, and they go to this time mark, and all they hear is this. Um well, I'll put one timestamp in the, in the <laughs> description. It's just the Paw Patrol character. I hope you do in the show notes. Um, but yeah, so we were talking about it and like I didn't make any show notes because I was kind of going into this like I, I kind of want to talk about like organically where we come from about this. The old uh, Austin Bingana strategy. I like it. It's it's how I roll this week. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited. I actually have some questions this week, but I'll save that until we get more into specifics. Nice, nice. So we switched places. <laughs> we should just switch backgrounds for <laughs> the people can't see. I know it's just for us. It's just for us. <laughs> so I just want to start off and ask who are some of your favorite? Who's are some of your favorite Canadian authors? Some of my favorite Canadian authors. Okay, my I think like I would say my first one would be Gordon Corman, because growing up, like his work was like everything to me. It was hilarious. And he was such an icon to me because when I was younger, I wanted to be a writer. And he was, like, published at the age of, like, 14. And his books are huge. Like, I don't know if they still are, but to us, they were. And they would just, like, make you laugh out loud. Like, the McDonald Hall series follows, like, Boots and Bruno. And they go through their time at a boarding school. And it's just, like, hilarious writing. Like, it just makes you, like, I don't know, just completely die. Um and then I also really like Lindsay Sands, who I think we've talked about before. But she is like a new discovery to me. I found her like through a friend's recommendation. And she writes like a lot of romance. So a lot of that is like uh, like Highlander romance, which is like really funny. And it's like not historically accurate because they are far more feminist than they would have been in real life probably. But it's still killer. And it's so funny and good. And I really have a lot of respect for writers who do, like, universe building. So, like, one of her series follows, like, a a family of brothers. And, like, you get to kind of check in with those characters later. And it's, like, a lot of attention to detail, which I really appreciate. And then, um, not one of my favorites, but another one I think of is, like, Kelly Armstrong, who you and I have talked about. Yeah, I forgot she was Canadian. Yeah, and she's, like, she's got so many books out. It's ridiculous. Um, and I feel like she doesn't get enough cred because (laughs) she's like, she does decent, like in sales and she's like, her content is good. And then again, not my favorite, but everyone knows Margaret Atwood, especially now that we're living out the Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's it. So I'm a very bad Canadian because I'm not familiar really with any Canadian authors, like on a really intimate level. Oh, but you know who you do know. Rupi Kaur, Kaur. Oh, yes. I should check how to pronounce your name. I'm so sorry. but I don't own any of her books personally, but... That's fair. That's fair. All the women in my family do, so that's something. Yeah. She's an amazing <laughs> poet. I think she's from Brantford or Brampton. She's from Ontario. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I should have said her earlier. I just got too excited. I have one fun fact about Canadian authors. What is it? That Lucy Maud Montgomery, Lucy Maud Montgomery, uh-huh. just around the corner from where I went to high school, and like a street over from where I lived in like grade eleven and twelve. What? <laughs> that is shocking. She's a legend. <laughs> I feel like people from the Maritimes of Canada get so sick of like 
us talking about her. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I remember when I was like, must have been grade four or five. We went on a class trip to the Lucy Maud Montgomery house. And it seemed so far away at the time, like when you're yeah. nine or ten. And yeah. I went living like the street over from there. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, man. So my next question is, why do you think it is that Canadian authors and literature don't receive as much recognition as maybe like American authors or British authors? Um, I think this is a case of like, it's like the Hollywood effect, like uh, America produces so much content. And I think like we might feel it more than other countries do because we're so close to them. And like you and I studied this in school, I feel like a lot. But when it comes to like media, like TV, radio and everything, we're so close and like we're very similar in some ways. So it kind of makes sense that we would just kind of consume their media as well. But like Canada does have a lot of like really strong structures that I feel like maybe we don't even realize in our like everyday lives. But we do have a lot of prizes like the Scotiabank Giller Prize. And like we do have um, it's kind of unique that I don't think America has this, I'm pretty sure. But we have like a non- like a nonpartisan, like government funded news media company called the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC. Um, they're the best. It's from our bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> we're like pulling it all out. Um, but we're <laughs> sorry, Austin, one second. <laughs> I'm just the right weekly there. Karen segment. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, okay? <laughs> Hi, Karen. Yeah. Hi, Karen. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I know you. He loves you too. <laughs> we'll talk later, okay? Okay. <laughs> downstairs with Kanye? No. Okay. He's up there. Oh, okay. I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs> bye. Um, I actually see how are you and not love you too, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you love him too. <laughs> We're going to pretend that that happened because he's... Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we have three weekly segments. We have Sophia explains <laughs> him. We have Kieran's guest appearance. <laughs> and we have talking over each other at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm remembering where this time segment is so we can... Actually, we can link this back. Do you want to get Kieran to tell I us... I want to put something Pardon? <laughs> we can link this back into before. Do you want to have your name all the Paw Patrol characters? Please, I want to put my Kieran, what are all the Paw Patrol names? Um. Wubbo. Um. Walkie. Chase. Marshall. And Zuma. And Walkie. Love it. Wow. That's super good. Yeah. You know all of them. Okay, go downstairs and hang out with Sadie, okay? I'll be down soon. Can you close the door for me? Thank you. I'm so putting featuring Kieran in the description. <laughs> no. So, that was adorable. He's so cute. He's the cutest. Um, no, people who couldn't see Sophia showed him on screen, turned away, and we kept talking. But like, oh wait, he's still here. <laughs> turned the, turned our laptop and it was just face, his face in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, good times, good times. This is why we had to reschedule from the weekend because Kieran and I were spending a lot of quality time together. Not enough, apparently. No. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, 
super important. Um, and that's kind of like, I feel like the mentality that we have going into a lot of this is that the government does have certain grants to support writers. Um, and so like, we do have initiatives like Canada Reads, which is like a competition where we showcase Canadian authors. And like, it's not maybe the most popular with people our age yet, but it was really popular like years before. And I think we're kind of slowly getting into a more of a place of like examining what Canadian voices do sound like. So, you know, I think one of the main issues is that Canadian literature isn't really a required reading in school, or at least it wasn't for me in like public school and high school. It actually was for me, but I don't know if that was like my teacher's choice or not. Um, And like our English department was pretty like firm on that. And they like told us to our face that it was like an intentional decision, but I don't know if it was part of the curriculum, but I remember like we would have to choose like a Canadian novel to do like a project on. Um, yeah, I don't think I had to do that ever when I was in like high school or I'm guessing in like for English programs and universities, there's a heavy yeah. like, emphasis on Canadian content, but yeah. yeah, it wasn't like that so much for me. So I was actually going to ask, do you think they should make Canadian reading mandatory in like public school and high school, which I probably know your answer to already. My answer is yes. Um, and I think that comes from a place of like my, my parents are immigrants. So <clears throat> like I am the first generation born in Canada. And so I'm very interested in what it means to be Canadian. Um, so to me, that was like devouring a lot and like trying to understand it and like visiting relatives in other countries and like trying to explain like what it means to be um, an Irish Salvadorian Canadian <laughs> and like I think that's kind of beautiful about the fact that like I mean we always talk about like Canada as um like it like it is diverse like there are so many different facets to it so like even when you're saying like putting Canadian literature like on a syllabus like it could be from a Chinese Canadian it could be from like a Latin Canadian it could be like so many different things so I think like like remembering that and like kind of going into it that way makes it even more meaningful because it's there's just so much to learn about and like it's also really lovely because I remember when I had to do that project I was telling you about she was like yes it has to be by a Canadian author but it can be by any Canadian author you want so you had that autonomy what you did for that project yes but I'm not going to name it here because actually years later he was embroiled in um a bit of a scandal because he was Uh writing a lot about indigenous um experiences and everyone thought that he was indigenous but then they went back and they couldn't confirm it so that was and I'm not going to give him like a platform here by saying his name but I feel like people will know um if you're familiar with the Canadian landscape uh I'm not I don't know who you're talking about I'm gonna pretend like I do <laughs> I'll tell you off screen this is like the the hot gossip the the bonus content you can just um, stand up put a long beep over it <laughs> Okay, ready? Okay. Okay. <laughs> have you ever heard of him before? I have not, but for the people listening, if they want to know who, what Sophia just said, then send us a message. <laughs> <laughs> DM us. We'll, we'll spill the tea. Um, yeah, but that's who I chose. And I regretted it, but I didn't know that until years later when I was in university. So, uh, Have you heard that apparently Johnny Depp's, this is completely off topic again, that Johnny mm-hmm. Depp partly Native American. Really? Apparently, because he played a Native American character, yes. the Lone Ranger. Yeah. Just kind of 
justified it by saying it's like one sixteenth Native American or something. Didn't like we were talking about this in the Twilight episode. Didn't Taylor Lautner discover he was part, like partly indigenous through being cast as Jacob in Twilight? <laughs> or am I completely like, I don't know. Don't quote me. I was reading a lot of like people at that time in my life, so I could be just citing <laughs> the wrong sources. This is. I might have just made up that Johnny Depp thing too. I think I actually read that online, but <laughs> who knows? I don't know. So going back to the topic of what it means to be Canadian, do you think? <laughs> Like, a classic work of Canadian literature has to fit certain requirements? Like, do you think it has to take place in a Canadian setting, or just this has to be written by a Canadian? Ooh. Now, the Canadian setting is a really interesting thought that I, I kind of was thinking about this myself. Over the summer, I was reading um, Natalie Tan's book of fortune, of luck and fortune. Oh, I'm butchering the title. But it was such a good book, and it was by Rosalie Lim, who's Canadian. And it's, like, um, following, like, you know, like, I don't know how, like, it, it, what reminded me of that, what we were just talking about, the fact is, it was set in San Francisco. Canadian okay. Yes. It was set in San Francisco, but it was by a Canadian author writing about, like, a Chinatown in San Francisco. And I was like, this is such a cool book. We have so many, like, like, we have Little Italy, we have, like, little, like, boroughs and stuff like that in Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver and I was like it would have been so easy for you to set this in a Canadian city <laughs> like it would have been so easy and like I understand the appeal obviously like it's San Francisco it's beautiful and amazing but I was also like so is Montreal though like my Canadian readers don't know like Mississauga what's that <laughs> like come on guys and it was like I, I loved the book. I would not change a thing about it. I highly recommend it if you want a book. But like stuff like that is what kind of like gets me is that like people don't make the connection between like Shit's Creek in Canada and like that kind of thing. And it's like we're uh -huh. here. Like we might not be like that different than you, but there are distinct things that like set it apart as Canadian. Like I remember there's one like Shit's Creek episode where they're talking about like um Stevie's cousins who come in to visit and like they're like like from the country in a stereotype of like they're just like not fun people to be around and there were several things that like they did that I was like, like oh my, my god <laughs> <laughs> they were I was like oh my god like this is like the typical Canadian like like I don't know how else to describe it like a mean relative like I don't know like it was just it was really funny and I was like this is so Canadian and like I don't know if people watching that would pinpoint that as a Canadian experience I'm not sure as much as I like to see more Canadian settings in things that I, like, read, yeah. I also find it really surreal when things do, do take place in Canada. Yeah, like, I, I also do. The Scott Pilgrim movie. Oh, my God. What is I it, like, a far, far away land in Toronto, Ontario? <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't believe we didn't talk about Brian O'Malley before this. I should have listed him as one of my favorite Canadian authors, but I, I feel the same way. And even in his other book, Seconds, which is a really cool book, like, there are things referenced or like even drawn that I'm like, wow, like this is so weird. Like it's, it's the feeling I get when I listen. I love true crime so much, but like all the true crime I consume is like from America because like, I mean, they have guns there. <laughs> like, uh, like, I don't know. And like, so when I hear something about Canada, I'm like, oh no, like this is, this is too real. Like, I don't want to hear about crime in my own place. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it, like it is a bit jarring when you encounter those spaces. I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah. I find a lot of 
things that use a Canadian setting too will often use like the wilderness or yeah, like a secluded island or something on the east coast or yes. And like, can we can we talk about that because I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm not. Like obviously, like, Canada has really beautiful forests oh and that gosh. makes up a lot of its landscape, but yeah, it's not the entire country. Like if anyone doesn't know, like just like Instagram it. Like we have beautiful, beautiful like natural resources and parks. Um, that like again, just as a disclaimer, like uh, this is indigenous land, and like this is not, you know. But like the landscape itself is gorgeous, and um, yeah, like it's just so many books and like works that are like coined as classic Canadian literature just spend like pages and pages and pages detailing it. And I'm like, I don't need that much guys. (laughs) Like that's, that's just me though. Like I'm not a big, like uh, the only people I will suffer through that description of landscape for are like the Brontes and that's it. Like (laughs) I can't. I think even like non-Canadian writing mm-hmm. always takes place in like a forest or like way up north where there's no civilization or anything. Well, there's less civilization. Yeah, I like I think that too. And something that interests me is that um, I'm thinking of that book by I think it's Emily St. John Mandel. You know, like the Glass Hotel and Station Eleven. Uh huh. I'm just looking up her name now. God, this is the thing too. A lot of it is in the periphery. Um, So like it's stuff that like is highlighted in our local like chain bookstore chapters. There's always a section of like Canada Reads. There's always a like selection featuring like Canadian authors, Canadian authors of color, Canadian like women identifying authors, all this stuff, which is great. Um, Yes, Emily St. John Mandel. So she did one and it's kind of like dystopian and it's never explicitly said that it's in Canada, but I just got vibes from like the description of like the setting that I was like, okay, like this feels Canadian and I don't know why. And I couldn't explain it to you even if I did, but like it was just reading Station Eleven where I picked up on certain things that if it wasn't like explicitly said that like, oh, it was taking place in in LA, that part or whatever, I was like, okay, this weird in-between space feels like it oh. if that makes sense <laughs> i find can the canadian setting is a, like a lot of promise for horror and like suspense stories mm-hmm. because you can have that element of isolation because so much of like especially like northwestern canada is largely unoccupied by people yeah like, and like yeah i agree and i was just thinking too that it might be easier for us to pick up more of a canadian feel from like TV and film because most of like the movies that are set in like New York are actually filmed in Toronto or like Uh they're set in a small town like any like CW drama or like anything like that like they're probably going to be in Vancouver so it's actually like Canadian um Uh so it feels easier to make that jump whereas like when I'm reading like I feel like I don't usually think about setting unless they explicitly say it I don't know so I just wanted to go back to, like, what makes Canadian literature Canadian literature. So mm-hmm. say, like, a Canadian author wrote a fantasy book. Yeah. She didn't take place in our world and, like, obviously didn't have any, like, Canadian, true Canadian characters. That Could that still be considered yeah. a like, real Canadian work of fiction or yes. literature? Okay. I agree um, with you. Right? Well, tell me why you agree first, and then I'll tell you why I agree. 
I just think it's important, like, Canadians don't just have to write about Canada. Yeah. But they still can't get their voice out there. Mm-hmm. Like, they shouldn't be limited just to be like, oh, you're not a good Canadian author if you don't write about Canada. They should be able to write about, like, whatever they want, and then... Yes. Mm-hmm. Because most Canadians aren't from Canada also, which I think is important to distinguish. Like, like I, again, like we've talked about the difference. Well, we haven't yet, but we will talk about the difference between like Canadian literature and Indigenous literature and respecting those boundaries because like as settlers, we have a responsibility to understand like the impact of colonialism, mm-hmm. um, which I think like we, like you and I have been exposed to a lot in our studies and like it's always been present, like Canada always does settler acknowledgements uh, land acknowledgements at the beginning of like classes actually not a big fan of those land acknowledgement things you're not i just don't think it's really enough Mm -hmm. to me yeah there's been a lot of arguments like against it for that reason which i respect um and like the first like i think we should do away with them but no no more done yes and i like i think i agree with that um because like when it first happened, I think I was in university the first time I'd ever heard that. And I was like, oh yeah, like this is a really good thing of like being like mindful of that and understanding like we're coming to this place using resources that are not like we, are, we aren't entitled to. Um, and so like there's a lot of breakdowns in terms of that. But yeah, there's a lot of efforts being made around truth and reconciliation. And there's like a lot of stuff in planning. It's not enough, obviously. And we know that. Um, and you know, we're always trying to be better about doing actual meaningful things and not just like performative allyship, but yeah. So we'll talk about indigenous reads too, also, because you and I have been reading a lot of those, I feel like in the past two years. Um, and that could almost be an episode in itself, honestly, because there's like amazing work coming out of that community as always. Um, yeah, I wanted to look more into that writing community, but I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. mostly I haven't been to bookstores or anything to be able to browse, the, browse those sections but yeah well we actually have a lot of really good like indigenous owned bookstores in Ontario um that I'm pretty sure ship worldwide so if anyone listening is interested we'll definitely compile a list of those on the Instagram but um I've gotten things before from Good Minds which is a bookstore I think in Brantford I bought them online so I'm not 100% but I know they're Ontarian um so yeah lots of cool things about that but circling back to what makes a book Canadian, which is what we were talking about before, it made me remember, Austin, are you ready? This was a quiz question you and I faced many a time in our undergrad oh. experience. <laughs> Did I get this right any of the times we were ever quizzed on it? <laughs> yes. You were a great student. You probably got 100% on this quiz. Okay. What is the system to defining a Canadian song? We have a little logo on our CDs. I remember this, but I don't remember exactly. So do inform me. It is the maple system. (laughs) This is a legit legal government instated piece of legislation that we decided to call the maple system. And I love it. There's nothing else we could have called it. No. (laughs) No, we could have gone with like beaver or something, but I feel like this is the safer option. I don't know. Um, so I was thinking about this when you asked this question because it's a little thing and like any like CD you, you pick up, like it has like this little maple leaf on it. And like if it checks off certain qualifications, that means it's considered Canadian media. And the more it checks off, the more support it's eligible f- like for from the government. 
Um, which I find really interesting because even to film in Canada, you have to sign an agreement with us saying we will em- at least employ this many Canadian cinematographers, like set designers. Like there, there is like a back and forth legal agreement that they have to meet those requirements to support our own film industry. Um, so a lot of like, you know, like Netflix movies that are set in Vancouver, like they will be employing people from Vancouver to help with that, which is cool. But back to the maple system, because I know you're all on the edge of your seats. It like <laughs> it goes through and it's like music. So the music is composed entirely by a Canadian artist. The music is, or the lyrics are, performed principally by a Canadian. Performance, the musical selection consists of a live performance that is recorded wholly in Canada or performed wholly in Canada and broadcast live in Canada. And then lyrics, the lyrics are written entirely by a Canadian. So there are a few exemptions to this, but this is like a really cool system that's in place. And like that kind of made me think about, okay, what makes something Canadian? Because we have set these parameters and they are a bit broad, but it kind of just encompasses like anyone who lives on this land is entitled to classify their work as Canadian. And like, I wonder if my high school band would qualify for that. (laughs) What? I wonder if my high school band would qualify for that. (laughs) Probably. Time to re-release the lost records. <laughs> I thought I was the Robin Sparkles of this friendship, but it's you. I was more Robin Daggers in high school. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> yeah. So do you think do you think everybody or let's go to the mall would be partly under the maple system because it's sung by a Canadian? Yeah, Kobe Smolders, Canadian. Boom. Probably recorded in Canada. I don't know where How I Met Your Mother was filmed. But I think it's in the States. I bet we could make a case for that. <laughs> Long live Robin Sparkle. If people haven't watched How I Met Mother, I'm not going to get any of this. But <laughs> Who go has... watch How I Met Mother if you haven't. That's like 50% yeah. of my Sophia's friendship. Truly. When we found out we both watched that, we were like, oh my God, our partners won't watch this with us. <laughs> but then Kate did. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> Yeah. What were we talking about again? <laughs> what makes something Canadian? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I God. That's all I had to say on that topic, unless you had more to say. No, I was just, like, picturing maple, but for books. Like, was <laughs> it written in Canada? Was it written by a Canadian? Is it set in Canada? They should make that the beaver system, because beaver <laughs> book beaver. Books, excellent. Something, something, something. <laughs> No. Books excellent and very exciting. Really. <laughs> really. Believe us. <laughs> so I just had more questions about the academic side of Canadian literature. Okay. And I was just I was just thinking back to my bachelor's, all the textbooks and stuff I've ever had to read. Yeah. Do you find any of the academic authors were Canadian? <sighs> I know that we read Canadian media critics. If you asked me to name them all, I don't know if I could, but I do know that Marshall McLuhan uh, is Canadian and he's like really famous for being like, the medium is the message and doing a lot more important things that this is a very watered down, don't listen to me explanation. Um, And also like someone who's really good at dissecting stuff like this, like thinking about thinking is Malcolm Gladwell who's also Canadian Uh Um, and he's like really like hailed for 
his thoughts on thinking, which I know is like another bad explanation, but look him up if you haven't had a chance. He has some really cool opinions. And so like, I know that we have referenced this again this might just come down to me being really bad with names and if it wasn't repeated for more than one course there's a very small chance of me remembering um but yeah what about you i found for a lot of my courses like obviously outside the communication field Mm -hmm. a lot of my authors would be either english or they would be american applications to cover like the university of oxford or yeah other American ones that I can't think of at the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask, why do you think it is that like American and English scholarship gets so much more attention than Canadian scholarship? Money. Like <laughs> I, I definitely think it's it's money. Um and like I think that's due to one, look at how much Americans pay for their education. I feel like I would never be able to sink that much money into university like Uh at all and like I remember we had a friend in undergrad who was an American and he came to Canada for school because it was so cheap and he was like yeah like even with like well I guess maybe not for him I think for him he was like a dual citizen so he could pay Canadian fees I'm pretty sure but um like our international fees are like three times the price that they are for domestic students and students in Quebec pay even less than the rest of Canada. They have amazing, amazing tuition rates. So I definitely think that like a lot of that goes into like funding, like England obviously is one of the oldest countries around. We don't have to go into that too much because you know, feelings, but um, yeah, like they're super old. So obviously they have a very established network and like what we have to remember too is Canada is a very 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 young country and a lot of like times when we speak about this I feel like people always make the argument that Canada defines itself as not America which I don't think necessarily is true but I do wish that like people understood the difference a bit more um yeah (laughs) I don't know that's the long-winded answer I I think it's just down to money (laughs) I think a lot of it is just like brand recognition too. Mm-hmm. Like people outside of Canada probably haven't heard of Wilfrid Laurie University or mm-hmm. University of Western Ontario. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that like the work that's coming out of it is any less intelligent or credible than anything coming out of the States or Isn't it out like, of England. Have you ever seen those BuzzFeed videos of like Americans trying to name Canadian provinces? and it's like I definitely think you're right like I think it is a brand thing like everyone knows like NYU or Columbia or Harvard or something like I just want to make it clear too for our non-Canadian listeners that Vancouver and Toronto aren't provinces they're cities (laughs) like I don't I don't even know like and to me I'm like like everyone knows what what they are because like they they are everywhere and they publish a lot of media for the world so obviously those names like even like when I went to um I was talking to one of my cousins from Ireland and he was like do people really do the red solo cups at parties like is it a thing (laughs) I was like yeah (laughs) it was like wow like it just feels so American and I was like I don't know and I I bet you like again we were like 10 at this point I'm sure they have those cups there as well um that's not the point but I think it was just the phenomenon of, like, the concept of, like, every high school show showing an American has, like, this cup. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. 
So when you're like 10 and you're like consuming that, you're like, oh, like this is what they do. Like this is so like everyone knows. Um, but it's like Oxford too. Like I might not know like the brand recognition as much. Like I know Harvard Press when I see that logo and uh-huh. Oxford, I couldn't tell you what their logo is, but. I just found like, yeah, you, like Oxford University and like University of Cambridge are like probably the two major English ones that I could think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I know, especially for a lot of my history textbooks that are from uh, from English publishers, English academic publishers. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, too, because, like, again, like, America produces so much content when it comes to TV and movies. Like, Hollywood is, like, a global thing. Like, it makes sense that they would be publishing a lot of, like, communications work, which I think is uh-huh. what you and I primarily dealt with. Like, if it was, like, about history or something, I could definitely see that being more of, like, a European thing because, like, they just have they've had the power for in that department for a while Hmm. so it it, like it makes sense that they would be publishing most of it um but you know I think we were really lucky that we had professors who made a point of incorporating things from the syllabus that were from like Latin America Asia like I did encounter authors that I remember like specifically when it came to like different like films that were scholars like in their home countries that were authorities on it you know what I mean Uh that was good exposure yeah, I guess the authority thing is a, another big factor, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of textbooks I had on actual Canadian topics, but I can't think of any at the moment because I've been at a school for two years. and I textbooks. I know. It's like, it's it's hilarious. And I think for me, like, the only recreational reading that I will do about, like, Canadian media is, like, when I'm looking into CBC's funding or, like, bills that are getting passed through, like, our House of Commons and Senate – Um, and that like that we have like a regulations body for like media called like the CRTC and like that kind of stuff. Um, but when it comes to books, like we don't, it doesn't feel like we have as strong of a structure, like Uh the Canadian publishing realm is kind of a wild west. Like I follow quite a few independent publishing houses from the Maritimes and the West coast. Um, but not too many from Ontario, which feels strange because I feel like we publish the most because we have Toronto, Toronto's in Ontario and Toronto has like HarperCollins, like Penguin Canada, like all those big players are downtown Toronto. So, but again, they're kind of like linked with their American partners, right? So they might do like an occasional Canadian focus, but it doesn't really feel super Canadian. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is Indigo a Canadian book retailer chain or is it Canadian and American? I believe when it started, it was fully Canadian. Don't quote me on that because I feel like you and I have talked about some headlines that we were reading in the past few years that kind of had me like second guessing that. But I know their CEO is Canadian. Heather, behind the iconic Heather's Picks, Canadian. <laughs> so, Do you think she reads all those books or she just gets yeah. somebody that's for her? A hundred percent, I believe it. I think they came out with a podcast, Austin. We should look into that to see if Heather's on it. But um, no, she she does. And I have a friend who worked at Indigo and she was like, ride or die. She was like, we should have her on the show. She would spill so much tea, I'm sure. She loved it. She loved Indigo. Um, but yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure. It could be like Roots. It could be like still trying to pretend to be Canadian, even though it was bought out by America. <laughs> If any of our American listeners have an indigo in their town, let us know, because that'd be interesting yeah. to find. <laughs> Formerly known as Chapters and Coles. 
I never liked the all, all three stores are pretty much the exact same, but I always yeah. hated Kohl's. I don't know why. I did too. We had like a small one in our mall, but I always preferred the big standalone chapter store. I yeah, know. I find I found Kohl's row was either small or they their selection of books was always terrible. And then they always had to call the bigger store to be like, hey, do you have this in stock? And you're like, I don't want to go there. I came here. <laughs> so that exhausts all my questions I had for this topic. Do you have any, do you have any more things you wanted to bring up with Canadian literature? No, oh, this is like super great. I feel like this is kind of one of those things that like I always need to look into more and I just like kind of get tired and forget about it. Um, but I think like definitely we'll delve into this more once we kind of have more knowledge about like independent presses and like anything in place but this is like a really good opening I feel like because you know we talk about like what makes it Canadian and then also like we have to acknowledge like as like like settlers and descendants of settlers like we have a duty to read Indigenous and make sure those stories are being supported the way they should be um so yeah do you want to recommend one Canadian work of literature to our listeners in case they don't have any that they can read? I feel like I feel like everyone would kind of enjoy The Handmaid's Tale. It's a safe one. Even people who hate Margaret Atwood confess that they like this one. Especially with that getting more mainstream attention. Yeah. Too. But my favorite Margaret Atwood book, Atwood book is actually Alias Grace, which is about a famous Canadian murder trial in like I think the 1700s and the maid who may have killed her boss may not have made made have or made not have <laughs> to made or to made not <laughs> what about you do you have any recommendation I do not <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair if anybody wants to recommend me a work of Canadian literature then I'm all ears yeah rate rate and leave a suggestion in the comment I pulled up a list before we just sign off for the night. I just found a list of 150 best-selling books by Canadian authors. Is is um, Lullabies for Little Criminals on there? Let me search okay. for it. Okay. I just want to scroll through and see how many are like, have like, it'll be like an instant household name. Ooh, okay. What was the one you said? Lullabies? Lullabies for, for Little Criminals? Yes, that one's on there. It was so popular. That and Station oh, Eleven. Exactly. Uh, what have we got here? I'm not going to read through them all, obviously. The Summoning by Kelly Armstrong. Oh, yeah. It's such a classic. Which read. Yeah. Oh, there's actually one. I got a free audiobook through Audible, now that I mention it. From it's who? Canadianity. Oh. And it's written by a Canadian named Rob Taggart. Oh, why does that sound familiar? But, no, Jeremy Taggart and Jonathan Torrens. Oh. And... Funnily enough, Jonathan Torrance is one of the actors from the Canadian TV show Trailer Park Boys. Oh. Which is weird that he wrote a book, but it's a book all about like Canadian, like contemporary Canadian culture. That's cool. I read the description for it. It says, sprung from the hugely successful podcast Canadianity, Taggart, the, brackets, the guy from that band, and <laughs> brackets, the guy from that show, share a collection of showbiz tales from the road and relatable everyday anecdotes, all wrapped up in a nostalgic fondness for this great country. Canadianity takes listeners on a cross-country journey, shining the spotlight to notable local heroes or or buds, yep. as we say in Canada, <laughs> to crush food and the greasiest watering holes coast to coast to coast. So yeah, that's the one I'd recommend, Canadianity by Jeremy Taggart and Jonathan Torrens. I'm going to have to add that to my list, I think. Mm -hmm. That's more like a 
not a serious look at Canadian culture, but I found it interesting. That sounds super fun. I feel like, too, like, whenever anyone gets famous, they're always really nice, and they always, like, mention that they're Canadian. Like, even when, like, you know, it's, like, people like Shania Twain or, like, Avril or Justin Bieber. <laughs> Justin Bieber bought a house, like, an hour away from us, Austin, actually. Huh. Yeah. And um, where else? Like, so many people that, like, you wouldn't think of, like, Seth Rogen, everyone like that. Like, people do love to, like, mention it. Like, that's what I love. Even if, like, you're not mentioned in the book, like, people will always be like, hey, they're Canadian. And it's, like, an extra bonus point. And it, like, 100% makes people excited to be like, oh, yeah, I will read it if they're Canadian. (laughs) Oh, you know the author of Life of Pi is Canadian? Yes, I did hear that, actually. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of hockey books, obviously. Oh, yeah. And musicians write a lot of books, like Alan Doyle. Uh-huh. Finland. Right. Robert Munch. Robert Munch, my guy. <laughs> Love Robert Munch. Chris Hadfield. Kate said oh, yeah. Chris Hadfield. <laughs> <laughs> my dad has that book, and it's autographed. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Robert Munch on here, actually. Most of our literature is Robert Munch and hockey. <laughs> Great. Everybody's too Zamboni. <laughs> Zamboni. Oh my god. Tough guy by Rob Propert. Yeah, I can I'll put this list actually in the description. Yeah, best Canadian authors. That'll be I interesting. I think we'll definitely make like some posts in July to celebrate Canada Day. Uh-huh. Um just highlighting Canadian authors. Yeah, maybe we can return to this topic again around yeah today once we do a, like a bit more research into publishing and stuff and yeah we could have a whole yeah like, like you said a whole episode about native american literature too yeah yeah i think like again we've talked about this before but like it, it it doesn't you can't you can't have one without the other and so like really highlighting indigenous reads is really important to us as well mm. actually look it's hard to tell just by names but a lot of the books on this list don't look like they were written by Native American authors, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CBC actually, like, has an Indigenous, like, station and section. So, like, oftentimes, like, they will have their own reads because sometimes uh, okay. they don't want to be affiliated, which, like, fair. <laughs> what about Rick Mercer, too? Oh, Rick. <laughs> Wait, oh, Crit- Mark Critch! Austin, how could I forget about that? I should have... <laughs> Mark Critch released his like I don't know if it's a memoir really but it's called Son of a Critch um <laughs> it's delightful and again like it's it's a from the Maritimes and he's a big comedian in Canada he has a show um with like some other comedians on CBC which is called 22 Minutes and we basically dissect like any like thing political or Canadian and it's such a cornerstone it's it's beautiful it's like on season 24 or something huh. but yeah, he his book is delightful, and if you want a picture of like Canadian life, I would recommend that. Okay, that's good to know. So we got three suggestions this week. Party. I yeah. think that's a good way to round out this week. I think so too. Thanks, Austin. This is a really fun topic. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely come back to it again later down the road. I know. I know. I rambled. I hope I didn't bore anyone with my maple <laughs> talk. But I wasn't bored. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Maybe that's next time Kieran comes in, we'll just have him sit down and listen to us talk about Canadian literature and fil- until he falls asleep. Yeah, he'll probably just want to take the mic for that one. He's a showstopper. 
<laughs> okay, yeah. Thanks for talking. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. Or weekend by the time this airs. I hope it's sunny where you are. I hope that you're taking some you time. I hope you're curling up with a good book. <laughs> good Canadian book. Good Canadian book. <laughs> yep.